This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me in the studio today, it's a man who is as cute as a bug's ear. It's M3 Nick Lind. <laughs> a bug's ear, huh? A bug's ear. She flies beyond fate's control. It's MD PhD student Miranda Skeen. <laughs> I was like, which one am I gonna do? Uh, I'd rather doubt an oracle than question what she delivers. It's MD PhD student Aline Sanduk. You should. Very fair. And joining me in the form of ones and zeros, it's the jammiest bit of jam, M1 Eric Bozart. Feeling pretty one today over the zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. good to hear. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. We're also live streaming on our Facebook group, the Shortcode Student Lounge. So why not check us out there? You can see all the things I say that we edit out of the show. Um, it's and you be can a say like today. a week earlier than we posted, if that's what you, I mean. If you're into that. If you just can't live without us. Yes. <laughs> well, it's also nice. You can participate. So that's uh, you know. Hipster vibes. Being able to when all your friends are listening to the podcast and be like, I already knew that. I know yeah. the I know the punchline to that joke. That's right. <laughs> I'm not even going to make you sign up for a Patreon to do it, you know, because that's that's how giving I am. Um, also, because he doesn't know how to set up a Patreon. Yeah, so. I'm, 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 that's not the I'm, main main reason. Though. Yeah, not no, the main I am reason. maxed out. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you could figure it out, Dave. Uh, someday. Today's show sponsored by Panacea Financial, the digital bank created for doctors by doctors. I'm really happy to have them back. So we'll talk more about them later on the show. As for today's topic. You guys don't even know. I didn't even tell you about today's topic. No clue. Not at all. You know why? In the dark. You know why I didn't tell you about today's topic? Because you don't know what I today's topic is. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> We've known you too long for us to pull that wool over our eyes. That's right. There is a student I heard about recently who was running up against a few problems. The M1 wall. Ah. You guys all immediately were like, ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ring ring a bell for you. But tell me about the M1 wall. I feel like, I mean, I don't know the specific student's exact problem, but for me, the M1 wall was sort of when I realized, oh no, I'm in trouble here, and this is a new <laughs> experience for me. Yeah. In, 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 in trouble in terms of... In trouble in terms of, like, academics and the fact that, like, for a lot of people coming into... And this, again, was my experience. I am quite good academically. I don't mean to brag uh, to anybody here. I'm quite good. Humble brag. Yeah. Humble brag. Yeah. That wasn't really humble, though. That was just a straight-up brag. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, though. But then once you hit a certain amount of med school and the pace has picked up and you're now into territory that you have never seen before, mm-hmm. it's suddenly this feeling of, oh, this... Like I am struggling and I haven't in my previous academic career had this type of struggle before. So I'm both struggling and I don't really know how to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What um, were what, what about y'all's M- M1 wall? Was there something for you guys? White coat. Imposter syndrome started at the white coat. Oh, no. I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what is this? I've made a huge mistake. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I of course I know the wall. Everyone knows the wall. Who doesn't know the wall? I did notice everyone hits it at different points. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think, and th- that's an interesting observation, the first 
And sometimes the second, some people don't hit the wall until the second semester. But mm. yeah, it really dawns on you that you're in a whole new world and these are whole new stakes. And yeah, I don't know. Nothing, nothing Why really prepares you for it. do we hit the wall? <laughs> my students, my students. Any yeah. Hades Town fans in our listenership are going nuts right now. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I, I think it's because it's such a new experience to any of us because, you know, the amount of material that you go through during that first, during all of med school, to be honest, but especially that first semester, I mean, you're basically covering everything in that foundations class that you covered in all of your preparation for medical yeah. school. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. so you just covered it all in, you know, one semester and, and half a semester and even. half a semester and yep. you even expounded on some topics that you didn't even know anything about yeah the, all, all the extra credit stuff from undergrad is yeah. now core material yeah. yeah like like all of the stuff that you thought you were going to do for like you know b- brownie points to like suck up to the teacher like no you have to know all of that too so mm-hmm. yeah. eric what about you yeah yeah i 100 agree it's i think kind of what nick was saying where it's like so i did I did a master's program before coming here. It was just kind of like a one year kind of doing some more of the hard science type stuff because my background's in engineering. And so you, you know, I I went through that master's program. You take things like, you know, I did an anatomy course. I did, Mm. you know, some pretty in-depth physiology stuff. And then you come into med school and like, you cover that within the first two weeks and you're just like, okay, so that's an entire master's degree. <laughs> so you true. know, exactly. expedited. Yep. Yeah. I think there's also for this student, it was all that. Yeah. And then I also think that they were concerned. They, they're concerned about the hidden curriculum. Mm. that they Uh, started to notice yes this is so the hidden curriculum if you're not if you don't know what that is i guess i would call it the 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 part the thing that isn't actually part of the curriculum but that you're learning anyway like how to be like how to be a doctor Mm-hmm. It's, sure. it's like what it means to be a doctor in terms of like things like professionalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's it's office politics for for anyone who's ever worked in like, an yeah. office. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like don't use Linda's mug. You never use Linda's mug. That's her <laughs> mug. She'll lose her mind if you use it. But it's, but, you know, things you know. like, you know, how to how to act like a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. How to project that image what is that image but i i think that really picks up once you hit clinical oh sure your clinicships like and you Mm -hmm. you know you're working with these people and you're you know within the first day of working with them you're trying to figure out how they tick because like Mm -hmm. you know if you kind of do the wrong thing Mm -hmm. you're going to get called out pretty quickly depending on who the the person is yeah Yeah, figuring Um, out where their sharp edges are and then how to stay away from them yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) and i think a lot of times when we talk about the hidden curriculum we talk about it as well in terms of like relating to patients in a way that isn't you're my friend i'm having a conversation but in a way that is you are the patient and i need to figure out what's wrong with you and that that goes through things like anatomy lab or you you may be doing a cadaver dissection for the first time and having Mm -hmm. to deal with that like emotionally as well Mm -hmm. as learning all the material and then actually figuring out how to break a patient story down into constituent components which you are then graded on so yeah yeah. and but i think it's also about how to to look like a doctor Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that there are problems with this because not everybody looks the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's an interesting conversation. I think being yeah. had by a lot of people in healthcare right now. 
Like th- this is the problem with the hidden curriculum is that it's hidden. It's never anything. I-, I don't think it's ever been something that's been intentionally taught. It's just sort of generally accepted that, ah, this is also things that people develop through their medical it's sort school of like time. The, yeah, it's sort of like the, the culture it's learning the culture of medicine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which means um, it's which insanely influenced by things like unconscious bias. Right. Like insanely. Totally. It isn't always yeah. great. The no. culture of medicine. You know, mm, there no. there is no culture that is always great. And medicine has, you know, its difficulties, too. You know, basically, you know, how do how do you know, what are the aspects of the culture of medicine that I'm talking about? Like hard work all the time. Grades is the most important thing. Yeah. Looks do matter, though. I, they, I don't know if that's where you're what you're it's getting. It's not at, that they but. don't matter. It's just that they are perhaps matter more than they need to. Mm. Oh, I did say they mattered. I don't know if you misheard me. I did. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, but maybe I f- it up. Because no, that, that okay. could happen. <laughs> oh my god, he said a bad. Word. I know. That's also part of the hidden curriculum. Don't swear. <laughs> don't swear on the podcast. Oh, yeah. People care more about. Like, I, I rebel against tangent. it. Don't swear in yeah. front of children. I mean, in front of patients. <laughs> <laughs> I rebel against that. You know, I remember something in my first year with Ellen Franklin. It was like a small group, and someone was like, "She's you know, our. She's our. Uh, yeah. Our. Uh, I guess they would. They used to call it the performance-based assessment." Yeah, she's like the clinical skills assessment director for folks not at CECOM. But I was in a small group and she was like, people were asking, you know, what are the expectations for like how we should look, how we should dress? Should it be like interview day, which, you know, interviews, people are wearing full suits. It's a little much. And she was like, well, you know, as long as you look clean and you run a brush through your hair. And I thought that that was such like reasonable (laughs) advice. And then I like I grew up a little and I realized that like oh some people don't consider like certain types of ethnic hair clean looking. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Some people mm-hmm. don't consider certain looks or certain ways of dressing as like clean cut. Right? Yeah. So like mm-hmm. when, when somebody says run a brush through your hair, what does that really mean? I think that's part of the hidden. Whose curriculum. hair? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's part of the hidden curriculum. I mean, there's all kinds of problems yeah. um, with this hidden curriculum because precisely, precisely because it is, it is hidden. I think it's changing for the better though. And well, I, people are talking about it. People are talking, people about, are talking it. about it. And I think patients are the, the demographics of patients is changing too, because I think historically doctors acted in such a way that was how patients expect like patients expected to come to the doctor and maybe i'm wrong I'm, i don't mean to generalize not 100 percent, but i think patients came to the doctor expecting to be told what was going to happen and what they should do and they liked it that way and then you know the next generation came along and was like no i want to be partners in care with you i don't mm. want you know to be your employee in my care and i think that's where the older guard of medicine is like what is this? No, no, no. I tell you what to do. But yeah. like now we're coming up and like we're a little bit more, I guess, like culturally congruent with that. Right. Yeah. So. Well, there's more to the hidden curriculum that we haven't yet discussed. For instance, there is a this this particular student had observed the social currency that circulates around things like how much you study. Mm. how well you score on tests you know striving to get honors grades as yeah. opposed sure. to striving to pass your courses yeah. <laughs> and striving to learn right yeah. which yeah. is an important distinction yeah. yeah no it's very true so for, so for instance like one of the things this person noticed was you know professors will let you know after the exam what the average was Mm-hmm. on the exam and i'm not a professional i'm not i don't i'm certainly not an expert on educational theory but i think to some extent it's sort of a defensive maneuver by the professor who needs to prove to the population of medical students that it was a successful exam yeah yeah yep that it was valid mm-hmm. in some way but what this student found is that those averages 
were a source of pressure. Did I perform to the average? And the message there being that your only value is the grade that you get. And, and by the way, push back at me if you think <laughs> no. if you think I'm full of shit and anything that I say. But. I was just going to say very quickly, I actually still remember the first time I scored below the class average on an exam. Because yeah. like the first, like foundations in the first MOHD, I was still like pretty doing okay. And then it hit like the spring semester and I was like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. And I still remember the best mm-hmm. thing I ever did was I found a friend and my friends were not in these like, you must get honors or you will die type people they were the chill people and like we both had a conversation and she was like oh yeah i also scored below the average and it was like and we pointed out to each other that like 50 percent of the class yeah. got below the average yeah, you yeah. are not a bad student for yeah. coming below the yeah. average it can be a challenge to find that that friend yeah, yeah it, it it requires a little bit of vulnerability and it's yeah. like this game of like vulnerability chicken you're like i'm gonna give a little <laughs> and then they give a little and then you give a little and then you get to the truth because it's re- it's yeah. hard. Like that's not it information hard. you just come out with and be like, yeah. I done failed that test. And then if no one was soliciting that information or if no one was <laughs> comfortable sharing that, you know, you're now in this weird vulnerability black hole. But yeah, yeah th- those are real. I could not agree more. I love those moments in med school and just like in life in general when you're like, yeah, that was hard. And the other person's like, yes, yeah. that was hard. That was and hard. you love guys yes. and you both know exactly what you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, yeah. you know, you take a bunch of people who score in the top 10%, you know, all through their lives and you put them in a room together and give them the same test. They they still distribute into a bell curve where you yeah. still have people at the bottom and you have people at the top and you have almost everybody else in the middle. And that's that's med school. I mean, that that's everything in life. And it, it's difficult to come because you're used to being in that, you know, top 10% or higher. And and it's difficult to come to the fact that, hey, maybe I'm average or maybe I'm below average because, mm-hmm. you know, that exists too. And uh, I'm so comfortable being below average. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. Uh, you're you know, not the, the, to us. You're not to you. us. <laughs> I'm above average in some ways. You're, you're, in the, you're in the first quartile in our hearts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In the box and whisker plot, there. Uh, <laughs> the error bars are just very large. Um, I felt like you know we're talking about averages and stuff. I I would even go a step further to say like I feel like it, in my experience we didn't hit that point where I think a majority of people were able to say like be open about like hey I didn't do well on that test like we didn't hit that until probably this semester before clinicals. Interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, Interesting. Where it's just like you know I feel like most people were open about that. Is that cool. does that ring true to you guys or did it happen mm-hmm. earlier do you think or do I, you not kinda, remember it kind of depends like i i do remember in one of our learning communities we would almost always have like group d not official group d brief but informal group d brief where we'd all just like come collapse on the couches and be like well that sucked and that <laughs> yeah. just sort of like opened the floor to be and it wasn't necessarily like i scored this or i scored this it was never no one asked about grades but it was just like that was rough and that yeah. gives you exactly that. that gives you like no information about how they did maybe it was rough but they still got like a hundred percent you don't know but either way it's still mm-hmm. like commiserating about that was really hard and that was yeah. tough and uh, wow i did not even think that was going to be on there but oh i guess this person really loves stomach ulcers yeah i mean that i, <laughs> I just got war flashbacks right there <laughs> <laughs> i agree i think our class is pretty good uh, even from early on like if you did poorly there was at least for me, like I had a group of people I could easily go talk to that were pretty open with like, oh yeah, like that was, that was rough. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was really common. Yeah. Among. I think I should say 
I should have said before, you know, like I'm getting, you know, when I when I say I heard about the student, I've, I've heard about them secondhand. If the student happens to, you know, hear this, I want to say that I'm not like. Yeah. Singling I, I, I want to say that I well, I, I just want to say that this is, you know, th- that this is important to talk about yeah. th- this particular student apparently had tried discussing with other students and felt some resistance to that vulnerability. And I was intrigued mm-hmm. when you, Eric, said that it took until just before going out into clinicals and to open up, which kind of kind of makes sense to, to me. Coming to my own realization of getting a pulse on where the, we were, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I, I agree with Nick. Like I, I did have a group of people that, you know, you could, I could go to and be like, hey, I, you know, I've got a general pulse on my group, but I didn't realize that that spread out farther to the class until probably before clinics. And and this unfortunately is, and I know we're all sick of talking about how COVID has impacted medical mm-hmm. education, but no. that's a big problem where it's like, yeah, it's become totally. essentially like we're, we're, I've only now been seeing sort of like students back in the communities. And even then I imagine socialization is relatively down. So it's hard to get that pulse on where your class is at. It's hard to get that mm-hmm. collective, like woof kind of moment where yeah. everyone sort of, collects yeah, and shares and is a bit and sort of debriefs yeah. with each other because even if exams were in person you'd sort of run away from each other and go <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah. we were just talking i sat down and i instinctively picked the farthest chair away in the corner just because that's how like all right six feet where is it we got to be distanced yeah. kind of thing i look mm-hmm. uh i'm sorry i just want to run away from you dave we're, we're actually trying to get that. away from you <laughs> yeah, miranda's just being nice yeah, i'm just like but... i'm leaning back as it goes on just getting as much <laughs> Showered today. Stop bullying Dave like this. (laughs) He's gonna get some really bad mental health problems if you don't let him know we're joking once in a while. I haven't been on the podcast in so long. I forgot how much of it is just managing Dave's emotions. I'll be okay. So I guess the upshot from what I understood is, and I think I'm paraphrasing here, so I hope I get it right. They felt kind of unprotected and their, you know, their sort of mental health was feeling precarious because of all this. And and but they were afraid to seek help. Sure. About it in the form of in the form of, you know, things like counseling. Yeah. In their defense around some people, they should be afraid. No, and 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 that's not to say. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Let me finish. Uh, Let me finish. That's all to say that, like. Be extremely careful who you share that information with, because it's a 50-50 chance that you're sharing that with someone who's going to go, hey, I'm really sorry to hear that. Let me help you. And then the other 50% are going to go, all right, great information to have in my pocket to move against you later. And I'm not joking about that. That's something to be you know, very mindful of. But like, before you go spilling all your beans, like throw a crumb out there and see how they react uh-huh. and you know before you start really opening up so yeah well i would i would argue that i mean for, i mean for, first of all this, this hesitation brings up two questions for me yeah. personally should the institution protect you is there any value i mean yes to some extent the institution should protect you mm-hmm. but is there any any value long term in being unprotected so that's question number one what type of protection are we talking i mean i don't know like you know because i I, because i wasn't able to ask follow-up questions i'm sorry but may i throw out a metaphor before i forget yes i believe yes and no the difference between like chucking someone in the deep end and then chucking someone in the deep end followed by chucking them a life ring Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, or yeah. chucking them in the deep end and then throwing some chum. Out yeah, <laughs> yeah, because exactly, I, it's I like, agree. Like, I think there is definitely value in having to sort of like 
in being vulnerable and being able to like getting that challenge and having to sort of climb out but like there should be a ladder where it's like if you're like okay i have tried and i cannot i've real i'm mixing my metaphors but i have tried and i cannot climb out of this hole it's like okay deploy the emergency ladder because like to meet you halfway yeah adversity is character building Mm -hmm. right and I'll, i'll never forget this this i don't know where i heard this but i remember reading somewhere that like trees need wind to grow otherwise they die hmm. and like as, oh. that's so profound like they need the push of wind to kind of push the sapling down to motivate it to grow big and strong so like but ad- they don't need a daily hurricane <laughs> yeah exactly yes, that would be poor. adversity doesn't work if it's like lethal right yeah. it, it has to be mm-hmm. up to a point where like kind of like miranda's saying that someone will step in and be like okay okay you strolled enough let, you know, let's bring you in and then it we can talk more. Kill you, and, and I think, you know, what's <laughs> Miranda singing? <laughs> Nick. Yeah, you know, I think in preclinicals, too, it's important to kind of have some of those situations where you're struggling and and kind of pushing your limits. Because once you get to the clinical side of things, you're you're much more independent. Uh, You have to, like, not only balance the academic side, because you're going to have an exam at the end on Mm -hmm. everything that you need to know for that clerkship. Mm -hmm. But you also have to be learning all of the practical, hands-on things for that clerkship at the same time. And you're going to be pushed even harder than you were in preclinicals because that there, there's just a ton that you need to know. And if you're not setting yourself up, you know, from from the beginning, it's going to be even more difficult. So I, I think the institution does need to push you. I do think that there needs to be safety nets. And I think that there are here. You know, you're going to get that email or call or whatever from the counseling center about, you know, are you OK? Like, what can we do to help you academically? And mm-hmm. and, you know, I which, think I'll, which I think sometimes might hurt more than it yeah. helps. Or it's like it's like, I think oh, yeah. I'm doing OK. And the yeah, counseling center is like, hey, how's it going? And it's like, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, Sorry, Dave, did you want to ask uh, follow up questions or do you want to play on your phone? I am trying to. <laughs> Just make sure that I'm keeping track. We're kind of cracking the whip over Jeez. here. Stay on top of the day. Uh, well, so what, what was the question was... I have no idea if the live stream worked or not. I've not. Uh, it seems to be working, but then it uh, says you were. I was live. So oh, I don't... I well, don't we're having live. fun. That's all that matters. What the yeah. um, <laughs> What's that voice crack? What the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, I guess the other thing the other question that it brings up to me is why are people still afraid of seeking help because people are still making other people feel bad that's Mm -hmm. why there there are still those sorry those buttheads out there that are like (laughs) look at this loser oh pardon my friend you know there's There's that i I think there is that i think there's that risk I, i think you know another aspect of it is our society our culture our the way that we especially as medical students the way that we're raised we we often didn't need help you know from 
from high school on to college, you know, some of us who might have had a career before med school, you know, we were able to do it without the help. And then you get here and it's it's, you know, the heart one of the harder things I've ever done, you know, here in mm-hmm. med school. And and I think, you know, when you start hitting your limits, you maybe have done that before, but not quite as often. And is like it just doesn't stop here. The, the limits, <laughs> don't, the limits haven't hit back the limit. before. Uh, and the limits mm-hmm. hit back. Yeah, yeah. That's hard for I think someone to really grasp a hold of and understand and understand when they need help because they never needed help before. Sure. Yeah. I think the thing, though, is that schools spend a lot of money and effort putting in place these efforts and they really want you to use them, you know, like the counseling center, the, you know, the tutoring groups, Mm -hmm. the, you know, what what are some other ones? Uh, Milk it. Milk it for all it's worth. Yeah. It's the the accommodation, the the mechanism to get accommodations for for you. I think sometimes those accommodations are often framed as like, oh, well, if you, and I don't think that this is a bad thing, but it's like, oh, if you start like dropping back and failing, then you have to come to us and admit, oh, I'm a failure and I need, because which is not true at all. It's just, those are things that happen sometimes and occasionally you require additional support. Agreed. Uh, But uh, I can kind of speak to that too, if if we want to talk about that. Sure. Because I'm, you know, I think on top of that, you know, there there's the general failures of, okay, you know, maybe you're not studying correctly. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not using all the tools available, but then there's things that like life happens. And mm-hmm. I know Nick had talked about, you know, before the podcast, we were talking about, you know, sometimes people start families, you know, life yeah. kind of happens around mm-hmm. med school. Well, I had an accident in the middle of first semester, second year, and now I'm kind of taking a step out. So, I mean, you kind of hit a point where, you know, I for me, it was a concussion. And so I, you know, all of a sudden school becomes a lot harder. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there, it was a combination of my injury, but also a combination of, you know, having to admit that I need to use the resources that are available. And, you know, I think that now that's kind of been put into perspective, but I think that, you know, there, you're taking a group of people that haven't had to use these resources and you're like, you know, expecting them to just jump in. And I, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I just don't no, think No baby steps I think it's, too. And not to mention, you're also taking a group of people that have more or less defined themselves on not needing help before, where it's like, yes. like yeah. when you are the best student in the class, you don't need a tutor. You don't need well, additional support. That's why I want to talk about this, because I think that needs to go away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I mm-hmm. think that that needs yep. to go away. And I think that, you know, if, 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 this conversation was successful in any way. It would be that, you know, say a pre-med out there who is struggling really got the message mm-hmm. that if you need help, go get it and yeah. don't give a shit what anybody yeah. else thinks about you. Because one of the things I think you guys know and that I've noticed about medical education is this hot take. Are you ready? React to this statement. Okay. There is no such thing as a passive and successful medical student. Yeah, I would. I mean, have to think. What this de- is defines- great. <laughs> okay, there is no such thing as a passive and successful medical Here's student, and we're going to delve into that because I need like three things to find. Define success yes. number one. Yes. Yeah. Define yep. passive number two. Yes. And number and define th- medical student. Well, we're going to delve into that after this message from our sponsor, which is Panacea Financial, a company founded by two doctors that were frustrated 
uh, as medical trainees that banks didn't seem to understand the unique needs of those in the medical field. So they weren't passive. They built a company just for medical students and doctors. Excellent segue. Like that? With nationwide digital banking, Panacea Financial provides medical students with free checking. That includes no ATM fees nationwide, high-yield savings accounts, a free personal banker, around-the-clock customer supports, and with loans designed with you in mind. No one should borrow more than they need, but with Panacea Financial, fourth-year medical students can get money as needed in as little as 24 hours with their PRN personal loan. No one has an interest rate half of that of a, of a usual credit card and no co-signer <laughs> requirement, and it's fully digital application. So instead of running up credit card debt, try their PRN personal loan that is designed to give you a better way to cover expenses, such as residency applications and relocation on board exams. Some customers actually use it to pay off toxic credit card debt. In addition, medical students can have a period of no or reduced payments on their PRN personal loan. Join the growing number of medical students and physicians nationwide that expect more from their bank. Go to PanaceaFinancial.com to open your free account. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. Thank you, Panacea Financial. It's nice mm-hmm. of you to help help us out. Nice of you to help math students out. Very cool. By successful, let's start there. I mean, wringing everything you can out of medical education. Sure. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, w- Not mm-hmm. getting... Honors. Or getting into ortho. Or getting into ortho. That's not what I mean. I mean, if that's your goal. That's fine. That's fine. Be successful in that. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, I was going to say, I can think of multiple medical students that have been what I would call passive and have gotten like straight honors and high grades and everything. So. You know. Okay. So so, then we got to get to passive, right? Passive, I mean a passive consumer of what medical school has to offer. So you mm. sit there and you hoover up knowledge and then you spit it back out. That is what I think of as a passive medical student. All right, go. You know, one one thing I wanted to mention after you you kind of define things there. One of my peers, I, I had asked about a rotation one time and he said, hey, it'll be great if you treat it like you paid for it. And I was like, <laughs> which you, you uh, know, you know, I did. It's a good and rotation. I should really treat this rotation like I paid for it. Uh-huh. And, and you know, it, it's a way I've kind of been trying to handle the rest of my clinical clerkships. Like I'm going to treat this like I paid for it. Like I'm going to go in and I'm going to ask to do the cool things mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to like do the things that I want to do and learn the things that I want to learn. And you know, it, it's kind of been fun. Did, it's that, made, did that change anything for you? That I, I, or, so, I, you or did know, it just give you a new perspective on what you were doing? It gave me a new perspective, but I think it, it did change, you know, cause some clerkships, you have the opportunity to kind of pick and choose a little more of what you want to do. Like, like say like emergency medicine, that's a good one because you get to sign up for patients and you kind of get to pick what, you know, who you want to see. And, you know, if you want to go to that trauma, that's on the other team that you're not assigned to, you can go to that trauma. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that you know, it, it's a good way to to look at a clerkship and and kind of you know there are things that you're going to be asked to do no matter what, but there might be some options where you get to go in and you know even just ask like when I was on OBGYN, I you know was in a room and there was an uh, attending that was going to work independently in another room, and I said, hey, can I go work with that attending? It was in the OR. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have any residents, no fellows, so it was just me and him. And I got to do way more because... I bet you had a great experience. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, One thing I'll say is that when you are sort of more like 
assertive at asking people you will be surprised what people will say yes to Mm -hmm. where it's like there's a lot of things where like i've had people express to me like man i wish i could do this and then they and then you know people are like okay well why don't you do that and they're like oh good point yeah. and then it's i never oh. thought of it that way yeah, yeah. oh i didn't yeah because there, there's sort of this assumption it's like the it's like that one picture of a horse that's like tied to a kid's deck chair where it's like your limits are sometimes more <laughs> mental <laughs> you think yeah. they are yeah yeah so i th- it's one of those things where i think sometimes people are passive because they don't know they have an option yeah but it's like you can just like ask for things that you want I think also, I mean, that's that's amazing insight. And I think that's something that that is directly applicable to the clinical part of your education. And I think it's also directly I can see how it's directly applicable to an MD, PhD education, because those two things, while there are, you know, set things that you need to do and you'll be asked to do things specifically, there's also an element at some point of Mm self-determination. It's a little harder to see that in the preclinical curriculum. Yeah. Because you can't just go up to the course director who's put together this, you know, this, you know, semester long course and say, yeah, but I want to look at this. Yeah. (laughs) But there are things that you can do during the preclinical phase to sort of you know, be more active. I mean, a, yeah. a good. I think the best students that I've seen, you know, they they organize that vacuuming up of knowledge, right? They organize the actual process of consuming it. They organize the organization of the actual pro, you know, process of consuming it. <laughs> do they? Um, do they organize little, the organization? It's a little obsessive. <laughs> Not only um, do they organize, but they organize their organizer. Yeah, it, it's a little obsessive, but I, you know, and I, I hope that part of that process is realizing that no plan survives the first engagement. With the enemy so sometimes you have to you know be willing to rejigger your plan but they seek solutions to problems rather than just waiting for them yeah. mm-hmm. waiting for those solutions to to arrive and i think that's important they also participate to the extent that they can and i don't want to say that you you know i don't want to say that you absolutely must join every student organization and you absolutely must become a leader of those student organizations and things like that that's gravy but they're the I think the people who my guess is that the people who get the most out of medical education actively participate in it beyond just going to class mm-hmm. and, and studying. Mm-hmm. I think to add to that, I think the people who get the most out of it are the people who are making decisions based on their values and what really mm-hmm. matters to them, not what they should do, but what they're excited to do. Yeah. And I think this feeds into something that I often say when any whenever anybody gives me the chance, which is defining your own metric. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does success look like to you? Right. What are the issues that are important to you? Yeah. And, and I think that's going to change after, you know, your first few months of medical school. Yeah, <laughs> because, exactly. Yeah. Because you might think that, oh, I'm going to be the top of the class and I'm going to and somebody is going to be, and they yeah. might be able to meet that, but I, most of the class will not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, there's only Rem- one person that can be the top of the class. So Remember if you're gonna- the bell curve. <laughs> yeah. There's only one number one. There can be only one. Yeah. The, the, the student that I was, was talking about right earlier was not being passive, right? They're examining the world around them, Yeah. which is important they were noting its shortcomings they reached out to other students they made themselves vulnerable and i am all for this yes um as you know you 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 do have to try like 
you have to put yourself out there a little bit to find out, you know, what your environment is like. Yeah. Right. You, you are a little bit in the dark until something really big happens. And then you're like, oh, I need to find out the landscape of the place that I'm in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. sounds like this person is, you know, really in tune with how they're feeling. Like they're aware of what they need and what they're looking for and are aware of the fact like, oh, I'm not getting it here. Now I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. I think I'm curious to hear more of like what Eric's experience is like, because I think I cut you off, but you were you were kind of getting to the part of talking about how you slayed this dragon of passivity, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that and it sounds like I agree that this person sounds like they're kind of reprioritizing is what needs to happen. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, in my own kind of personal, you know, within the last six months, that's kind of what's happened to me. And it's a lot of. It took me a concussion, some academic failures to realize, you know, that I was, I was passively taking in information, you know, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like, you have this kind of come to Jesus moment of, I need this information to help people, you know, like that's what I'm here to do. That was my ultimate goal. And so Mm -hmm. I think that it sounds like this student is kind of in a similar situation where it's like, okay, what is your definition of success? And for me, my success definition has changed and you have to take the steps to find the help that you need. And I think that kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that I think that the, you know, there's adversity, but I agree with the idea that the institution needs to be able to throw out these, you know, life rafts or that, you know, and they are available. It just, it sucks that we as a student mindset are like, nah, I I don't want to use. I don't need. I don't need your boring life. Tube. I love to. I love yeah. to tease. You know, this this sort of reminds me of a conversation I recently had with my mom. You know, they're getting older; they need a little bit more help. And I was trying to suggest some things, and my mother said, "Oh, we're not that kind of people." <laughs> yep. And the two things. <laughs> two things about that. I'm like, Ma, yar now, Aww. okay? And number two. I'm that kind of person. What do you? What, what kind of person are you talking about? <laughs> this actually reminds you jerk. Me. <laughs> what are you trying to say? This actually kind of reminds me. Um, I went to a movie screening last night outdoors. I was out by the river. Nice. It was really. When pretty. are we gonna get to stop? Like, like putting <laughs> asterisks after the things we do. Like, <laughs> like immediately apologizing. I was six feet for like, away. Well, no, I, mean, I definitely <laughs> was wearing a mask, and I was outside, and I was bathed in hand I was <laughs> shrink wrapped in plastic. Well, anyway, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're fine. Well, I was at this movie screening, and at the end of it, one of the guys said something where it's like the world needs people who are willing to reinvent themselves that's a paraphrase but that was one i mean the documentary as a whole was a a tad pretentious but it's okay i liked it but that was one of the things that sort of stuck with me where it's like you know that's people will get stuck in this thing of like no this is just the person i am and all you have to do is be like well why why are you that way and then just if you can't come up with a good reason then be willing to change that yeah like you are not defined in a single aspect yeah i saw a quote somewhere recently on the internet i can't remember where but it might have been a brene brown quote i'm not sure she she's like a big vulnerability researcher but the quote was something like 
a lot of people, and in this case, I think they were talking about like relatives, choose to see you as the version they had the most power over. And they refuse to recognize your personal growth, you know, into a person they can't control. And they get really annoyed around that. And I haven't been able to forget it because I... I mean, I've never articulated it that way, but I have personally experienced that. And to piggyback off what Miranda is saying, don't just be afraid to change who you are and reinvent yourself and kind of move the goalposts around, but also get away from people who don't let you change. Yes. Yeah. Get away Definitely. from people who are like, yeah. no, get back in this box that I put you in. I don't like how you're trying to squeeze out of my control. Like, <laughs> and that's okay. Like, I think as people get older, and this is harder to say, I think, when you're under 25, but when you get to be like, I think in your 30s and 40s, you realize that like, friendships come and go mm. like just because mm -hmm. someone's your best friend now and they're not going to be your best friend forever but maybe you step away and then you come back to them in a few years like when your life priorities realign you know and things like that so mm. everything changes so feel free to change with it mm -hmm. oh wow that yeah that, nice. that really resonated Lovely. yeah that was a good <laughs> little like I was, the eye moment. I was thinking back to to my childhood. You um, had a Ratatouille moment where I, I took you back I to know, the French gonna... farmhouse where you grew up. <laughs> you know. I think for the first year medical student who's struggling academically, you know, I would encourage them to keep at it because this information is all coming back again. Like I, mm -hmm. I just took step two yesterday and, and, you know, like step one, step two, like all these things that you learn, they just keep coming back. So if you're not getting it now, you're not going to get it then unless you put the time in to yeah. truly understand yeah. you know where where you're missing it and so you know if you have that test that you either failed or did poorly on or or didn't quite do where you wanted you know score where you wanted to be you you kind of have to keep at that material it's not so important i think what you're saying is it's not so important that you got a bad grade yes yeah what's important is that you you use that information to inform what you did next yes yep. yes and also, like, looked at the information and said, okay, what of this really matters for my future? I'll, I'll never forget this. There's a doctor who used to work at Student Health. And I remember I went to her as my doctor. And we, because I was a med student, it came up. And she was like, Aline, let me tell you, when I was in med school, you know, she, she's an OB now. And she was like, when I was in med school, I didn't learn the foot. Not a big deal. I didn't <laughs> learn about the spleen. Not a big deal. I became an OB. So ovaries became critically important for me. Yeah. So try to look at it that way. You don't have, like, there are only, the only two specialties in medicine where you really do need to know everything is family med and emergency med. Yeah. And everything else, you're going to lose, like, not lose, but like six. You're going to step away 60%. from it a little bit. A yeah. lot of it is going to move mm -hmm. away and make room for really in-depth knowledge for the stuff that's really important for the people you see. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. There is one totally. thing I wanted to say. You know, schools are going to be proactive by offering things like mental health support system or services, tutoring, a structure for mentoring, learning. Our learning communities are important, but it's up to you to seek those things out. Again, we're getting back to that active student 
I'm going to punch you <laughs> for I, a, gesturing with me. I gotta say, I swear to God, that one was actually unintentional. <laughs> like, that was purely like Lies. a reflex. I, I swear. I she swear. was empathizing. Were you, you mirroring? Like, yeah, Were you mirroring? I was. Because I was like, I was like, all right, get in Dave's head. What is he saying? <laughs> Your mirror neurons were like firing like crazy. <laughs> but the point is like, we, you know, the schools go to a lot of trouble to do this. And you... Yeah. have to be willing to sort of take advantage of them. I mean, mm. you know, yeah. yes, your school may reach out to you and say, oh, I see you got a bad grade on this test. Let us know if you need any help. Well, so, sorry, okay. that just Tra- made me Treat think it of like my... you're paying for it. And I was yeah. about to say, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. I'm a little pissed off. Because it was such, a great, <laughs> such a great callback. But I was thinking exactly, I was yeah. like, yeah. you're paying, like yeah. you pay Doreen. Go use Doreen. Yeah. Go use, you know, wh- yeah. any of the other people. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Do you want right. to put Doreen into context? Because I feel Doreen's like that's. Doreen's the, uh, one of the, the, the head. Uh, the head yeah. of the counseling center. Because yeah. I could just imagine some poor like med student at like Chicago and be like, "Where's Doreen? Where's Doreen? I need to talk to. Where's I, need- I paid for her. I mean, like you know, <laughs> I paid for her. Yeah, I mean, and I know, you know, like, like I know, knocking on the dean's door, and being like, "I demand Doreen. Give me the Doreen." Yeah. <laughs> But I know that you know, like you have to be willing to say in those cases F- what other people think. I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm afraid of what the dean or my peers will think. Who yeah. the heck cares what they think? Yep. You have a right to seek resolution to your problems. And you know what? For anyone who, because something I think Eric brought up that was so perfectly articulated is that you're really kind of expected to just jump right into being vulnerable, whereas for a lot of people they've never been vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And that's really scary. And so. Like, but they, no one ever teaches you like what the baby steps are. So like, I want to share a little bit of advice here. There's a lot of safety in curiosity, confusion, and concern, mm-hmm. like in that order. Like whenever I have to have a difficult conversation, I never come at it from like, here's how you are letting me down. Here's how I am unsatisfied. I always come at it with like, hey, I'm curious about this. Can we talk more about that? And then that's... Number one, it puts the person you're talking to much less on the defensive. It keeps expectations low. Like you're having kind of a a very equal conversation with like very low stakes. So I don't know. Someone told me that once of like, hey, there's a a lot of safety and confusion. I was like, oh, okay. I like I like Uh, that a lot. Or curiosity. I don't know if this if this fits into that. I mean, kind of what I was thinking of. And this is what I've been trying to sort of remind myself over and over and over again in recent years. When you have these interactions if you come at them with love and respect, Can't that's part wrong. of it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, respect always. Love, I don't know. Like, well, I mean, love in the sense hey. of like, I'm, you know, a lot of types. Of I understand. I understand that things are different for you. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the same as they are for me. Let, let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, There's an understanding there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I know some people are, wor- you know, when they're having trouble, they're worried about the confidentiality of seeking out mental health services from your medical school. Hmm. That's hard. Yeah. Do it anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, ask the question in your first meeting with a counselor. Well, yeah. How are you going to treat this information? What are you going to do with this information yeah. that I'm going to give you even before you begin talking about your problems? Yeah. You're a you're thousand gonna, percent. Entitled they're going to sit you down yeah. in, a, in, a, in a discussion. They're going to sit you down and say, so what brings you here today? And the very first thing, if you're worried about this, the very first thing that can come out of your mouth isn't, well, I am having all these problems. The very first thing that could come out of your mouth before you reveal all that is, I'm afraid of any repercussions that might come from sitting down with you. And these are normal fears, and they know it. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So let the counselor address those fears in that first session. And remember that they do have a legal obligation for confidentiality, the same obligation that you have as a healthcare professional, by the way. Yeah. But make them work for your openness. That's mm-hmm. totally fair. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. that's good advice in life in general. Is that like, <laughs> make them should... work for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I know you're joking, but I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Do, yeah. do, do that. It. You know, people and, people should deserve to hear the details of your life. That that's that's rich and that's intimate and that's you know, that has value. And sometimes people will hear these like very personal stories and be like, oh, it sucks. And then well, what's for lunch? And you're like, I just opened my heart up to you. Yeah. yeah. Or like, that's yeah. almost yeah. more devastating than them using it against you as being like, oh, wow, that's some really deep personal information. I Do they don't have care. pizza here? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I want to say I'm one more thing. I'm going to go get thing. some coffee. Like, I, oh, come on. <laughs> I want to say one more thing about that piece of advice is, so okay, so they've reassured you, right? Feel free to say, okay, I'll talk to you next week about this. Take yourself, yeah. take a minute mm-hmm. to sort of internalize that information and process it. And then you can come back next week yeah. and, it, it and is start o- the real work if that's what you want to do. It is a thousand percent okay to be selfish when you're asking for help. like personal help, when you're yeah. asking for help. Yeah. It is a thousand, yeah. because I think sometimes we have this thing of being like, well, I came to them, even though I'm being vulnerable, it's still like, oh, it's their type. That is their job. They are mm-hmm. there for you. You can be selfish. That is allowed and is permissible and acceptable and great. Hmm. Yeah, and can I add to that with one more thing? Nope. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I'm do it anyway. Right. Oh, wow. D- Dave forgot his place up in here. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, crack the whip again. Um, I don't need to. I'm just back every, here watching popcorn. I'm like, I love this. Every time I try to assert myself, it goes wrong. Go ahead. We're still friends. It's cool. It's okay to put, you know, eggs in different baskets. So, mm. like, feel free to shop around. And I, it's something I was thinking about is... A lot of med schools sometimes feel detached from like the main institute if they're part of an institution with an undergrad and like other like, you know, faculties, other schools. So like something I never thought of doing is like talking to the university counseling services. Yeah. They don't talk yeah. to the med school counseling services. Yep. Also, yeah. feel free to shop privately. Like that's also very hard because a lot of psychiatrists, psychologists have full patient loads. They're not taking on new patients. But like, yeah, but look for that chemistry. Like Miranda was saying, like. Take it with a grain of salt. Don't immediately close the door on someone who gives you a, you know, a not perfect vibe immediately. But you do need that chemistry. And if it's not there, then you're never really going to feel comfortable opening up. Mm. Yeah. And it's perfectly fine, even if you're a med student, to seek help outside of the med school. Like if you if obviously if you have the resources to. But like that is also allowed. You don't have to be restricted to. Does your uh, does your would your insurance cover that? Mine would cover it, I believe, through UIHC. So I could go to like the like UIHC psychologist, psychiatrist stuff. And I think it covers some, like, I think Blue Cross Blue Shield, there are a few therapists in the area that also, because I've looked into this, there are a few therapists in the area that would also take my insurance. So, mm-hmm. so it's possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and what the point that Miranda is bringing up is that check your coverage. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, make, make sure because some insurances will cover mental health care. Some only cover 50%. Some won't cover it, but a lot will. And they might cover it, but only for specific providers at specific locations or for only yeah. certain types of things. Bit of a pain yeah. in the ass. Could I, yes. Can I just say something real quick? You know, speaking from personal experience, if you're in that kind of a situation as a med student, you know, obviously in our context as a short coat, but, you know, just make sure that you're looking at resources that are available to you. And it's it's better to use the resources than not use them. And yep. much like mm-hmm. Nick said, 
act like you're paying for it. Yeah. Completely yep. agree. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. So. Excellent advice. All right, Absolutely. guys. Can I share one more thought? Absolutely. I was reading about Audre Lorde recently, who is, uh, she was a, a black lesbian activist from the 70s who I think had breast cancer, had a one-sided mastectomy. And like, I guess at that time it was like even more stigmatized to not have a double mastectomy or get an implant. And she was like, no, I'm not going to protect the world from my, you know, one missing boob. You have like really forced people to accept her as she is. And I really Mm -hmm. admired that. And I think something I was reading about her is that in a capitalist system, self-care is almost subversive. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated. Like taking care of yourself is revolutionary almost. Right. So mm-hmm. I agree. Like there, there's a certain element to where you're expected to have earned it. There's there's a concept of like if I work hard during the week, then I've earned a day off or I've earned like treating myself by going out. It's like you don't have to. You could just do that if you need it. Like if you're like, I, I haven't worked people, that hard, but I've ne- I really need a break. And it's I like I can to, do it. I say this to people all the time. Like people are like, oh, it's come up recently in the in the context of vaccinations, like not necessarily the earn thing, but that, oh, I can't do that. I have something to do at work. Yeah. Go get vaccinated, Go get vaccinated people. Yeah. Jeez. It's yeah. not, you know, the thing at work is not that important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I heard, let the let your coworkers handle it. Yeah. <laughs> your your job your boss would not die for you. So don't <laughs> don't die for your boss. Don't die for your boss. That is fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you guys have anything else you want to say before we close the show? I don't it's know. good to be back. It's good to be back. It's really oh, good to be yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. That was my first time nice. too. Yeah. Yeah. I am happy to have you here. That's our show, though. Gotta go. I gotta go eat lunch. I'm yeah, hungry. that's fair. Yeah. I think my I mean, boss... He, he acts like we don't pay for him. Ridiculous. <laughs> my gosh, Dave. Like what do you mean we don't... <laughs> you work for us, Dave. Okay. Don't you, you mean know? we're not the only things in your lives? How dare you? But I have to eat lunch. No, <laughs> not allowed. That's... If, if it'll make you a better Dave... Okay. <laughs> there's so much work to be done in that area <laughs> so much lunch and in case anyone is wondering playing along at home that's called hypocrisy <laughs> <laughs> guys thank you for being on the show with me today thanks Dave thanks Dave, thanks, Dave. this was fun and what kind of slug would I be if I didn't thank you short quotes for making us a part of your week if you're new here and you like what you heard today subscribe to our show wherever fine podcasters podcasts are available our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. Our, uh, uh, Take your time. <laughs> Alex, I sounded out. I, I, Alec, Alec <laughs> is actually down. my favorite editor. I'm a very big fan of their work. <laughs> Alex Belzer is our marketing coordinator. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying, don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Bye. Bye. Hi, shortcoats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, 
I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you, and I'm glad you're here, and other people are too. 